0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show right after a 4-1 win for the Sens over the Calgary Flames. We're all about that today. And of course, the Sens Nation podcast is brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Reignite your love for driving with a new Ford from Jim K. Ford. Take a test drive today and see all of the latest innovations available for new Ford vehicles and for your comfort. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, Jim K Ford will be very happy to bring a vehicle right to your home or your place of work for a demonstration and test drive. How convenient is that? Jim K Ford in Orleans or JimKFord.com. Welcome to the Jim K Ford Sends Nation podcast. With former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. Sens coming back for third helpings. Brown swings across one by Nick Hall, his second of the period. And there's TSN's John Abbott with the call as the Sens win 4-1 over the Calgary Flames. A 12-day layoff. What layoff? Holy cow, did not expect them to be that good. Matt Murray, very good as well between the pipes in what some would suggest would be a controversial choice as your starting goalie. But, hey, it's all good in Sensland land right now. Welcome to the Sens Nation podcast, brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Coach, how are things? I'm okay, Stephen. A big win last night. That was exciting and shocking
1: in a way, too, right? Like, who would have expected it? But, again, they looked like that team from the... Twelve game stretch at the end of last year, from the small little stretch here during this season. Well before the COVID problems, they looked like that team that that has an identity, that has a structure to their game, and just four lines rolling. Even the fourth line wasn't terrible last night. Uh, Matt Murray was was very good, and, and you you got a result. You outshot an opponent. Like everything that could go right, except for maybe the power play. Everything that could go right went right. They played really well. Good, good, solid game. Good
0: team game. Good road game. Uh, I, I was impressed. I did not think they'd be that crisp, that sharp. I expected a great energy level. You know, like the dog in the park after two weeks on a leash, uh, you know, just wanting to compete so badly. You could see it in some of that three-on-three practice that DJ Smith was running. They were ready to get into a hockey game, and that, that came to fruition. But I thought they'd hit a wall fitness-wise somewhere, like that game shape yeah. somewhere in the second half of that game. Um, but I mean, they were really clunky against Toronto with about the same amount of a layoff leading into the new year's day game. Now they had COVID though. That was a bigger factor, but I mean, even the guys that were playing just look clunky as hell and they fall six nothing. And so I thought there'd be a little of that here, but I don't know, maybe DJ Smith used all the video from that, that Toronto loss and helped inspire them that way. I don't know, but I did not expect them to be that sharp last night.
1: But the thing is, though, Steve, it's, it's Calgary. It's a totally different opponent that plays a totally different game than Toronto. They match up much better against a workman-like team like Calgary. Um, and, and when you play the game the way you're supposed to play the game, it's that much easier. Your, your fitness level, your, uh, your intensity level doesn't get affected by the skill of the opposition. You know what I'm saying? you like, those are things that just come. If you bring a work ethic, if you bring a, uh, a commitment to play the game the right way, and you're playing against an opponent who plays the game the way Calgary plays the game, you're going to get a better result. So no matter what, they were going to get a better result. I don't know that any of us predicted quite the result they got, but it's much easier to play your game when you're playing on the road and you're sticking to your system and you're structured and, and all those things fall in place for you.
0: That was the one surprise for me, that they came out as sharp as they did. The other surprise was that they started Matt Murray. I'm sure you were like a lot of people who cover the Sens, fans of the team, going, Matt Murray? Why is Matt Murray starting this game after that 6 nothing loss to Toronto? And really nothing, as far as we can tell, has changed in Matt Murray's makeup or anything like that. He didn't really go down and play a lot down in the American Hockey League, and then he comes right up slides right back into the number 1 job. So I was like, Matt Murray is starter. Now well, turns out Matt Murray did very well. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, you, you get a little nervous at the beginning of the game, you know, when they put the two goalies up and they, <laughs> here's the goalie matchup tonight and you got Matt Murray <laughs> at 06 and 0 with a 367 GAA and an 883 save percentage and there's Markstrom 12 7 and 5 with a 215 and a 926. You're thinking, "Oh god, did they really have to start Matt Murray?" But I think that there. Uh, a part of it, obviously, is he makes all the money. He has to be the guy. Forsberg is still hasn't really played much since he came back from his last uh, COVID uh, problems. So I, I think it was kind of okay. We're going to play Matt Murray, and we've said it before. We'll say it again. One more chance, Matt, for you to step up and grab the reins and and show us that you you you've officially hit
0: the reset button. Yeah, he was a game star. It was neat after the game. The Sens do a thing where they give out a bicycle helmet to the player of the game, and it's anointed by whatever player won it in the last game. And so uh, credit to Nick Holden, who I think is just from a leadership standpoint, the more I see him in in the dressing room with some of those vignettes the Sens uh, media staff puts out, the more I see him behind the scenes, the more I like that guy as a leader. And he really had a feel for the moment he had won the bicycle helmet in the previous match, a uh, match, ma- <laughs> the previous game. And he stands up and he goes, you know what, Polly? you're back. I know you're back, but I got to give it to Murr over here. And yeah, Matt Murray was clearly one of the stars of that game, as was Nick Paul. And Matt Murray made 27 saves on the night. He was really, really good. Some brilliant saves in the first period. And some interesting thoughts from Matt Murray. First of all, um, I, 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 I sort of jammed this clip all together. He felt good, he said. But I'm all listen as well, Greg, because I think it's interesting to hear how defiant Matt Murray continues to be as yeah. the whole world saying Matt Murray has struggled. Matt Murray has struggled. Matt Murray doesn't think so. This is what he had to say after the game. Yeah, so this one feels good for sure. I thought um, we were pretty dialed in all night. Played good sense hockey, and um, they had their. You know, they had their pushes for sure. They're a good team, but we weathered the storm and, uh, and we got the job done. That was probably one of the best uh, games we played all year, I would say. Was this as dialed in as you've been? Yeah, I felt good today. But uh, to be honest with you, I felt good really all season long. I've said, I've said that all along. So um, it's, it, it felt really good to get the result tonight, though. I've been, uh, you know, uh, battling and not getting the results. And, um, you know, tonight uh, feels good for sure. So there's Matt Murray after the game, after a nice victory, and Greg. He really doesn't feel like anything has changed here. Um, I, I feel like I have to push back a little on that—that that, you know he hasn't done anything differently or anything like that. Like uh, he's behaving as though he's been just not getting the results. He's been the same guy all year. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. You know, it's it's a level of confidence that you have to appreciate that you have to respect that you have to acknowledge that he is a confident guy uh, who thinks that he is better than his numbers have shown and last night he certainly was better than his numbers have shown so what we all want to say you know he's turned a corner he's got to hit a reset or he's been stumbling in his mind maybe that's the way he needs to approach it for himself is that you know I just haven't gotten the results I haven't played poorly I just haven't got the results if that's his his mantra if you want to call it that, that gets him through and gets him up in the morning and allows him to go to work, then Hey, all the more power to him. If that's what he needs to get fired up, then go right ahead.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that completely. It's just, um, uh, it's, it's hard to measure at the goaltending position. It's about confidence <laughs> it is some quirkiness in there as well. And as opposed to the way the position was played, you know, 30 years ago, it's not so much saves are being made. It's that stops and blocks are being made. It's a, uh, and, and and sometimes players are going to shoot it where you are not, and it suddenly looks like you're a terrible goalie. Well, sometimes you're going to go st- through stretches like that, the way the the goaltending position is played these days.
1: But the nice thing last night was that he they they didn't shoot it where he was not because there weren't that many times where he was not where he was supposed to be. He was right. much. He, he just he looked much more aggressive to me. They showed a a highlight pack in the in the post game. Um, Cheryl Pounder put it together of the of Murray's night basically and how how much much more aggressive he looked getting off his goal line staying up longer and, and getting in the way I mean that, that's what goaltending is right just be in the right place at the right time and let the puck hit you and for the most part other than
0: once he pretty much did that all night long certainly one of the storylines as well as Matt Murray Matt Murray, by the way, was the first name out of DJ Smith's mouth when he was asked about the performance, but certainly Nick Paul is in the discussion as well. We wondered how it would go. It's been a while since he played center, and with Tim Stutzla out dealing with COVID protocol, Stutzla expected to be back for the Edmonton game, by the way. We're not sure yet at this moment, but Nick Paul moved over to center, and man, how good did he look last night? looked fantastic had some jump in his game and it was like he he was
1: excited to be reunited with connor brown no doubt that factored into it um i i I liked the line (laughs) with with formant and and brown um they they just they led the team last night really their their dump and chase game their forecheck game being above the puck um back checking through the mid ice and and the number of times they picked pucks off going cross ice through the neutral zone um that it allowed the senator defense to stay up in the neutral zone there were a lot of like really the Sens controlled the neutral zone all night like you want to control the middle of the ice and i mean both horizontally and vertically you want to control the middle of the ice from blue line to blue line and you want to control the middle of the ice from dot line to dot line uh, that way as well and the sens did a really good job of it and that line was the key like both goals off good strong forechecks there was a the first goal was a 1-2-2 that led to a led to a real good pinch coming down the wall that then boom it's in the net to Paul in the slot the second goal was another excellent uh, f1 from Formanton who who really inside out forced the guy up the wall and there's a turnover bang to Paul, and then there's a little tic-tac-toe with Paul and Brown from there. But those were the two that ended up in goals. There were many, many other examples. If you want to want to put together a forechecking to tape to show to your kids, your hockey team, that's it. Like Take those guys' lines, their shifts last night. You see a lot of really good, strong
0: work. Let's hear from the offensive game star from last night, Nick Paul. And first of all, he talks about the club keeping focused during this 12-day layoff. We were working every day, basically after practice, just getting ready and waiting to play the next one, and they got postponed, and the next one. So um, it was hard to stay in it, but as a group, I think we really stuck together. And, you know, coming in tonight, we just knew the first two shifts, as hard as you can, get in the game and uh, take it from there. So I think it was a pretty uh, good outcome. Yeah, and that first goal is absolutely huge. I mean, every coach is going to preach that, Greg. Get that first goal, it makes the game just come to you a little more but particularly for a team like the Ottawa Senators they're they're still I mean they're not an elite team just yet I think they will be one day but they're still figuring themselves out and when you get that first goal then you're not chasing the game you're not getting at a position to try and jump into positions to tie the game up once you get that first goal suddenly it stabilizes everything doesn't it for sure.
1: And and it doesn't hurt that it was the first shot of the game too. Um, right. it, it, it doesn't hurt that it comes from the basically the middle of the high slot. Like and again, it came from the turnover, it came from the forecheck. check, it came from work ethic. It, it it it's the structure of the team. It came from what Matt Murray referred to as sense hockey. And and that just makes your job so much easier as a coach. Uh, 85% of what he does as a coach is a sales job and it makes it easier to, you want to sell something, you sell it based on features and benefits. Well, this is a feature of our, of our game. And this is the benefit that we get. And, and that shift was, and many of them all night by that line, just highlighted the features and benefits and makes the sales job that much easier when you can show your team in a video session or talk to them on the bench all night long. Remember that play? Remember when that happened? Remember when this happened throughout the course of the game, it just makes it that much easier.
0: Yeah, more Nick Paul in just a second. I want to address something. I'm glad you picked it up. The reference to Sens hockey when Matt Murray was talking about the performance was good sense hockey. He also said sense hockey when he was presented with the bike helmet after the game as well. Hey, had uh, a boy uh, that's great sense hockey boys mm-hmm. um, like that. I love that attempt anyway, to try and build team culture because Matt Murray from day one has said he wants to be part of the leadership group here, which is not always the role of the goaltender in a lot of places, but seems like he wanted to do that. And I, I love that he referenced that. Like if you're a coach, that's got to make you feel good to hear that—that that it's not just some generic place you're playing hockey. Hey, we played great hockey tonight. No, he said we played great sense hockey tonight, and that's got to make you feel good as a coach.
1: Well, yeah, and and, and it, trust me, that's probably not coming from Matt Murray. That's coming from within the leadership group. Uh, the coaching leadership group of that team, they have identified what is sense hockey and they've been trying to sell that to their team all year. We need to play sense hockey. This is sense hockey. They've probably got highlight packages of of uh, video that they show that this is sense hockey. Uh, and they so hear that message come back from the players to the media just s- tells a coach, Hey, look, my message is getting through. Like he said it twice in his mess, in his little interview while he was sitting on the bench post game, and he said it in his in his uh, availability when Gord was asking him questions, and he said it in the video that you uh, uh, alluded to there with when he got the helmet. It's the message is getting through, and that's nothing but a plus for everybody.
0: Now, a lot of people don't f- suggest that might be a throwaway thing. I think it's meaningful. I do. Um, but back to Nick oh, Paul yeah. for just a second here. He, he talked a little bit about his move to center and obviously liked how it went. Yeah, you know, wherever I play, I try to, to, to do my role, which is create space, win battles, take pucks to the net. Uh, and, and with players like that, they can make plays. You know, for me, super fast. And you can try and hit them for a for, uh, shot up the middle, and if not, he cuts through, and then you can take it wide. Brownie, you saw in that second goal, Give it to him. He makes a beautiful play back to me. So uh, when you're when you're playing and making space, uh, those types of players, are the ones that find you, and make things happen. So um, I thought it was a good effort all around. I thought we all worked hard, created a lot of turnovers, and uh, it was a good outcome to build on. There's Nick Paul, and might be a future analyst there, by the way, just to <laughs> throw that out there. I like listening to Nick Paul break down hockey. He's a smart kid. And a, what do you do now with Tim stutzla Is Stutzler wow. slide back? for the center ice position for the Edmonton game, or do you sort of stick with what's working here and keep Nick Paul there? I think uh,
1: Stutzla, I I hate doing this. Steve, you ask me these questions, I'm always wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No matter matter what I say, something different's going to happen. But I I made a note during the game that I really liked uh, Gambrell between Sanford and Watson, and sort of project that as a fourth line next year. You know, they were playing in a third line role uh, last night, but I project that as being a fourth line with probably Paul there, because you've got uh, you've got Pinto moving into the the third line to play with Watts or to, sorry to play with Brown and um, help me out Brown and Formanton down the road right. So I just I, I don't know. I think Nick Paul probably drops down into that Gambrell spot and plays with Watson and Sanford, and uh, Timmy Stu goes right back into his spot in the second line. That's
0: that's my projection, my prediction, but it'll probably be wrong. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to stick with what worked. And Nick Paul just seems so excited to be back with Connor Brown and I like Formanton. I mean, Nick Paul described it perfectly. That's a that's a line that can do a lot of interesting things, particularly on the rush. Um, so I'm going to roll with that again to close it out in Alberta on Saturday. But uh, that's not to say it's a permanent thing. These things are always super fluid. And who knows where Stutzla is at? He's just come off COVID. I don't know exactly if he had a bad case of it or not. Maybe he's not fully up to speed just yet. I will say this, Nick Paul's performance in the Calgary game was as impressive, like if I measure every Tim Stutzler or Nick Paul center ice performance for, for the entire season so far, that Nick Paul performance was probably my number one right now. So it's not going to hurt you to stick him in there again for another game.
1: Well, then you then you end up playing Stutzler with Watson and, uh, and Sanford? for a game if it happens uh, gambrell drops down and uh, to me tierney would be the obvious one to come out um limited minutes playing with with ns and Sabaran. and oh, can we can we discuss the scott Sabaran decision like, no, i, I was uh, yeah i was happy to see that uh, mj referred to it in the intermission um it was referred to somewhere else as well last night or maybe i read it in the paper or somewhere but why are you taking that fight you're up 2-0 against a team that just might be falling asleep here. Why are you taking that fight? It, 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 there's two bad things here. Number one is, I hope to God that he didn't ask for it. I would assume that it was Lucic who asked for it. And then the second thing is, why, why are you taking that? That's just
0: dumb. Maybe there's a history there. Maybe maybe Lucic did him a favor at some point along the way. I know Sabrin was a Calgary Flame back in the day um never made the nhl club but he was in the organization there could be a history there but yeah it's uh, it's not something that i'd be very pleased about though dj smith sabrin is a dj smith guy and i don't think dj smith is ever going to scold a guy for taking a fight but that's ideally not the place to do it and this is me I- i'm an old school guy like i, I even go back to that ranger series where chris neal came in for just two minutes right. but you could see that He turned the tide a little bit because the team was feeling pushed around, and then they suddenly felt 10 feet tall when Chris Neal got in there to push back a little. I think in those scenarios, it can come in handy, but for a game in the middle of the season in January after a 12-day layoff, no real history. I mean, Calgary and Ottawa played a lot last year. I'll give you that, but it it wasn't like there was a a big bounty game or something like that, or we were (laughs) expecting fireworks. We were just expecting a hockey game. It didn't seem to be necessary to have Sabrin in there that game.
1: Well, I think it it goes back to my earlier point about the type of game that the Calgary Flames play, Uh, a a bigger, stronger, workmanlike team that's going to be physical. So in that case, I guess that sort of makes sense. Uh, And I'm sorry, and I don't have it in front of me, but who was scratched so that he could play? Like, is is Clark Bishop healthy enough that he could have played? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know that they had many other options, I guess is what I'm getting at. And maybe that's sort of the reason why he had to play.
0: Yeah, it's always hard to tell exactly who came out so so so-and-so could come in because not only do you have your standard healthy scratches, but you've also got the taxi squad as well. So it was hard to say who DJ Smith had up his sleeve in the event that Sabrin did not start. But uh, small, we're splitting hairs here after a performance like that. One of their (laughs) best games all year long. So, hey, DJ Smith found a winning formula. We shouldn't be uh, uh, nitpicking, I guess. Drake Batherson in the news. He's been named the Sens All-Star Representative. And uh I think we can all agree that's a very, very worthy selection. Batherson has been a beast, including an absolute beauty snipe in that game last night.
1: Top pocket. Hey. Eh? There was a, <laughs> there was another top one pocket. last night. Yeah. Somebody did one on a on a backhand. I don't remember who it was now. And, and Tyler Mott did one through the legs coming out top pocket off the goalie's head and in. It's uh it's become a... As place to shoot. It's because of this HK or whatever the hell these goalies call it. One pad down, one pad up. They get down on their knees and, and that, that slot is open there. That pocket is there and he found it and he is a goal scorer. The guy's a pure goal scorer. It was cool, too. I don't know if you noticed, but because of the the limited attendance and because it's a visitor goal, you can hear much more of the celebration when the visiting team scores. And You could hear him yelling. He was pretty excited after that one. Really sweet goal. The puck was on the goal line, for God's sakes, when he threw it up there off the basket in.
0: Yeah, and and I'm never going to fault a goaltender for that. That's just one of those ones where you tip your cap and say, okay, I left you a millimeter slot here to get this thing in. Ring it. I mean, there really wasn't much room up there, but Batherson found it, and and that's but that's how it goes in the NHL sometimes. If you're gonna give a guy time and space, even at a bad angle, they're gonna make you pay. And Batherson did there. Is he the right choice as an All Star? Because the Sens certainly had lots of options. Um, I guess Kachuk could still be voted in, uh, or somebody else. I guess, but uh, is Batherson the right guy?
1: Yes. I completely agree especially for a 3 on 3 game. We all love Brady Kachuk and he he may well be the stir the, the straw that stirs the drink and and the leadership group and and all that sort of stuff but in a 3
0: on 3 open ice game Drake Patterson's the right guy. We bury Pierre Dorian in second guessing. He deserves <laughs> a lot of it but you also have to give the kudos where they should be applied and certainly the signing of Drake Batherson. Oh, my God. The guy's in year one of a six-year contract at less than $5 million, just under $5 million a year. Like, that's already a steal. We're not talking about two, three years into this contract. This very moment, Drake Batherson is a freaking all-star, and he's under $5 million a year and, and will be for the following five seasons. Like, that's ridiculously good.
1: Yeah, and, and let's not forget just finding him in the first place. This was a guy who went through a, a draft or two before he was selected. Um, yeah. Kudos. I fully agree. And we, we both liked the contract at the time. We thought it was a great deal at a good number and a great term. Um, now the only thing is let's hope it's not, you know, Colin white in his first season playing with Mark stone and who did he play with in his first year, Paggio and put up all those great numbers. Let's hope that Batherson either stays with Norris or, and Kachuk or or stays in a role like this. Let's not put him in a different spot and think he's going to carry a line uh, so that he can maintain these numbers and, and continue to get better. Not just maintain, but expand and get better on these numbers.
0: Tip of the cap as well to the Sens promotional team. They've been getting some behind-the-scenes stuff like I was talking about yeah. earlier in the show. And one of the neat things was um, they miked up Tyler Ennis this week and they also miked up Drake Batherson. And it was it was a particularly fun session. It's probably about a five-minute video they put up on social media, but uh, he has got all of the hockey lingo going on. Like if you ever watch Letter Kenny, the TV show, and you say those hockey players, like, well, that's ridiculous. That's that that vernacular is that just a joke? It's a cartoon and everything. No, no, no. Hockey players actually do talk like that. And Drake Batherson was <laughs> miked up, and we heard pretty much all of it. So here's a little sampling. You are wanting high mitt today, aren't you? Low mitt's the new high mitt. Keep the high blocky open, Forzi. Oh, wow. f-ing right. I got that on mic'd up too, Farzee. The Red Bull's got, yeah, shooting a wrister at 92 miles an hour today, bud. Nice shot, seven. Oh. That was labeled. Nice fight. The old lungs are barking at me up here in the Alti. The old lungs are barking. Oh. Sandy. Okay. leather jacket by okay. the she money? It's like such a good, like, sing-along tour. Good for, uh, oh, that's a good tune. I heard that oh, one before. Ladies and gentlemen, free concert to Freddie Guitar singing. Yep. Yeah. And that is the very song that Brady Kachuk was just singing just now. The Arkells and Leather Jackets. Uh, thanks to them for allowing us to play this year. And they actually put it out on social media. They wouldn't mind. And next time they're in Ottawa, having Brady Kachuk be their backup singer at the concert. So that's kind of a kind of a cool angle as well that came out of that video. So uh, uh, cool stuff for sure.
1: Oh wait, Bruce Garriock. Wait, wait. Before we move on, did you? What were you doing on October 29th, Steve? Do you know what happened on October
0: uh, 29th? I do not know offhand. The
1: Senators were in Dallas. Do you remember they went to Dallas and they won a game? Believe um, it or not, that, that that October 29th was the last time the Senators had a two-goal lead after the first period of a hockey game. No
0: way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so good on them. And as we wrap up our discussion on the Sens 4-1 and win in Calgary, just think for a second. Like, if you can get that kind of performance, Matt Murray, Nick Paul, the whole team, sharp as they were, and now you factor in, okay. Tim Stutzla has to be injected into the lineup, eventually Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson, and now, maybe, Andre Kuzmenko, who's second overall in the KHL in scoring, Bruce Garriock reporting during the broadcast on Thursday night, that not only is Kuzmenko on the short list, he could actually play this season. It's getting pretty good if you're a Sens fan right now, with the excitement level across the board. Yeah, and, and a, a
1: decent-looking player. My my, I do have a concern that really this is his only his first year of of really putting up these kinds of numbers at 26 years of age. So, what kind of money is he going to be looking for? What kind of money is it going to take? What kind of term is it going to take? Um, again, a one year, sorry, a one year deal. But what kind of money is it going to take to make him happy? So you can see. Like, really, it's going to be a tryout. The guy's going to get a, a, if he can play this year, a small tryout, and then you got him for all of next year. Let's hope it's not another dadnov situation. You, the last thing the Sens can afford to do is sign somebody to too much money, and then the guy's a flop. We we don't need that, and really Pierre Dorian's reputation as as, as a free agent finder doesn't need a flop.
0: Yeah, and, and Dadnov is a good reference point because – he came over, you know, about 10 years ago to the NHL and didn't do much with Florida, and then he went back to the KHL for many years, including St. Petersburg, where Kozmenko is right now, and Dadnov put up similar stats in his last year there with 66 points in 53 games. So you just don't know what the conversion will be from the KHL to the NHL. The day they signed Artem Zub from St. Petersburg, we all were skeptical and i think we should be skeptical here again but hopefully he's the real deal and he comes in and he's just excellent straight away
1: exactly that that, that's the perfect scenario for everyone he slides right into your top six he's the top six forward top six winger that this team has been looking for for a long time he's a left shot generally plays left wing but can play right wing so you slot him in right there um you slide Connor Brown down to your third line, which is where he's going to be most effective and where I think he belongs anyway. And, and with Batherson on your first line, you look real good down the right side of the ice,
0: and hopefully for a long time. Things are looking good for Jake Sanderson and probably will for a long time. He had a hell of a week, didn't he? He agrees to play for Team USA at the Olympics. Though that Team USA doesn't look particularly as strong Ooh. as it might have with NHL. Is not? I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, it's unrecognizable. There's not much going on there. Anyway, it's nice for him, and it's going to be a neat opportunity development-wise, another feather in his hockey cap. So he's going to the Olympics, and he's also nominated for a Hobie Baker Award. Not real big, not a real big deal there, largely because it's the, sort of the, just the opening of the voting. And at this stage of the game, there are 77 nominations across America for the Hobie Baker Award. Clearly, Greg, we expect him to move on, probably as a finalist.
1: Yeah, they do. They do pair it down to three. We joked about this last year when we talk about the Hobie Baker. That it seems like there's there's a couple of hundred guys every year, but uh, yeah, you start the process starts with this, and it's what seventy seven you said or seventy eight, whatever it is.
0: Seventy uh, seven, yeah, seventy
1: seven. So they, they will eventually pair that all the way down to a final three, and I I would think yeah he he'll be there in the final three. That's for sure.
0: Bobby Ryan is not on the Olympic team. He uh he basically. Answered the call for some random European team to go play over at the Spengler Cup. The guy's clearly still got a, a burning to play hockey, but uh, things came apart at the Spengler Cup because of COVID, so he went all the way over to Davos and spent a week there and then had basically was in his hotel room and had to come all the way back without playing any hockey. Did a little practicing over there, but he's trying to keep in shape, still waiting for an NHL call from somebody. In the meantime, he was hoping for an Olympic invite but it just did not come.
1: Yeah. I think that was a a more of a philosophical decision. Uh, It looks like uh, the U S had a couple of young kids playing for them, the world championships last year, and they did very well. And it looks like that. Okay. Maybe that's the model we're going to go with here. The team is very young uh, NCAA guys. A lot of them, Uh, even the pros, the guys there, whose names you don't know who are playing pro in Europe are younger it seems like maybe that's the way they wanted to go and big ice in a speed game and, and Bobby Ryan's not exactly known for his pace of play. So I I, th- I think it was more of a philosophical decision than anything else. If they had a training camp with like a tryout process or an evaluation process of some sorts,
0: who knows, maybe he would have had a better shot. I mean, if we're talking about Team USA from a you know, best on best component or even kind of second or third tier, Bobby Ryan's probably not on my team anymore. But when I look at that, fairly no-name roster is there not some level of wisdom given as low end as it is as far as a name recognition is there not some wisdom to have a bobby ryan from a veteran standpoint because regardless what you think about his hockey at the stage of the game he has been a long time nhl player and as far as personality goes i mean he's as nice a guy as you you want to meet he'd be a really good um leader in that dressing room with all these young no-name guys from a coaching perspective is there any merit to having him from that perspective? Well, that was that was my thought when I first heard that he was interested. Was that here is a
1: uh, veteran guy? You know, you think back to the the team Canada that played in the the last Olympics, and Chris Kelly was there. Now, Bobby Ryan is not the same player as Chris Kelly, but he's in that age. He's in that uh, that veteran uh, experience, leadership, all those intangibles that he could bring to this team of young guys. Was there not a spot for him? Was there not one of those young guys you couldn't have left off to have this type of player in your room, even if he's not going to play? That was the one thing where I thought, okay, this is his shot, that maybe he gets in that way and was kind of surprised that he didn't, just like you just alluded to.
0: Changing gears, uh, talking about uh, whether you have interest in a player or not, Evander Kane's name is obviously out there. The San Jose Sharks, put him through waivers he cleared waivers there's some pushback now on whether or not the Sharks will be allowed to void his contract effectively Kane is pushing back the NHLPA has filed a grievance and we don't know how that's going to play out exactly but he's going to be out there before long and should other NHL teams be interested in Evander Kane given his background
1: I don't know whether they should be or not, Steve. I think that's – I'm you're going to use the philosophical idea again. Philosophically speaking, uh, that's an internal uh, decision made by a team and their leadership group, whether they want something like that uh, on their team, in their room, on their bench, at their practices, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but as to will teams be interested, yes. I, I there, There's got to be, I would think, 10 to 12 teams who would be interested. And I, and I believe if it's not Edmonton, it'll be Florida – uh, teams that are looking for what evander kane the player can bring uh will be interested that's that's to me though yes somebody will sign him
0: and the red flag for me is the uh well the laundry list of stuff <laughs> yeah there's it, it so much baggage there and, and more than that it's when you hear about jets players being discontented that this guy's their teammate the San Jose sharks same kind of thing they they, they were not they were not unhappy to see this guy go, so that's the biggest red flag for me. I, I, I'll admit there's a little bit of me that's interested in the idea, you know, because my my knee jerk is like chemistry destroys the room, whatever it is. I don't want that in my dressing room. But at the same time, if you told me, hey, when the Sens play Edmonton, Evander Kane's going to be playing for the Sens, I think about, oh, <laughs> that's kind of interest. Suddenly, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you have to think big picture, and right now, the Sens are on a good path. And that's not a component you want to add to the mix because you go back to Uber Gates, you go back to the Carlson Hoffman thing, and then when all of that smoke had cleared and they gotten past that, what was Pierre Dorian? The following season, in that first interview that he gave in the preseason with Elliott Friedman and I forget who else was with, they asked him about how can you describe this team exactly? He said, We're a team. And some people chuckle at that. But I think that was the what he's trying to get at there is that this is a massive component of what he's trying to build here. A group of young men who get along great, who have camaraderie and brotherhood. And he's done that, I think. I think this team has been phenomenal in that area the last couple of years. And Evander Kane is the last ingredient you want after you've fostered that kind of culture.
1: Yep. No, I agree completely. He will end up somewhere but it should not and will not be ottawa uh, the thing that interested me or caught my attention was the 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 quoted uh, apparent amount of money that the edmonton contract was i'm thinking he's only going to sign somewhere for the league minimum 750 and Ooh. you only got to pay him about 400 because there's so much time left after you prorate it but then the the the, uh, the story out of edmonton was was uh, 1.5 i think or or maybe even more that part surprised me. But then again, the, 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 what you should take from that is there are other teams interested. There are other suitors. So therefore he doesn't have to take the 750 from the first team that comes along. He's actually got suitors and can negotiate something and get himself
0: in this case twice that money. All right. Our time runs short here. I've got an appointment in about five minutes. So we're going to start wrapping things up here. And I want to ask you about Jonathan Marsh so, because that is a guy that might be available to some lucky NHL team. Man, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Marsha. So, and you think that that is a guy that should be a trade target.
1: Yeah, I think Vegas is uh, is in a bit of a cap crunch, uh, especially when Jack Eichel comes off the injured reserve and is ready to play. Um, they probably are in the market for a defenseman. Uh, they're going to have to pay that defenseman. So who's available? Somebody's going to have to go. And I've got it down to Marsha Show or Smith. And I think Marcia show would be a real nice fit here in Ottawa. It's 5 million. Uh, he's a left winger. So he plays, does he play in your second line on the left side with Stutzla? Uh, you know, that that would be nice. Wouldn't it? Um, I can see it being, being a fit for him being a Francophone. He, he wouldn't be as uh, reticent uh, to come to Ottawa as others. And if I'm not mistaken, well, I I know that he has some sort of family in Russell, um from the ottawa area so he has connections here i could see it being a good fit for both teams it's not going to be one of those you take our guy and here's a sweetener it's going to have to be a real live trade so something's going to have to go the other way and it's not just going to be the proverbial standard second round pick there's going to have to be something else going the other way but i'd love to see a, a jonathan Marcia
0: show playing here in ottawa Somewhere along the way, the Sens will probably have to start thinking along those lines in trades Mm -hmm. to bring in not just veteran guys for the sake of veteran guys to be leaders in there, but veteran guys who are leaders, who are awesome hockey players. And the only way for this organization to get those kinds of guys is to maybe sacrifice, you know, a first rounder or, you know, one of the young players in the organization, because this just in there's only so much room for young guys on this team and at somewhere you're gonna have to kind of make some decisions but uh, Marcio, so to me would be the kind of guy you do that with the guy is leading vegas with 18 goals in 34 games so he's still got a lot left in the tank and every game i p- see him play in he is always damn noticeable so i'm a fan of the player for sure and i never really understood how george mcphee was able to through all his expansion draft wrangling uh, get his hands on both jonathan Marcio. so and Riley Smith, their second and third leading scorers right now. Yeah, so. He completely screwed over the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Imagine Florida with those two guys. Oh, geez. Yeah, but this this
1: is a guy. He he fits the bill. Like uh, you go back to Eugene Melnick talking to Bob McCowan in the in the summer, looking for a, a top six winger. Uh, here he is. Here's one there because it's it's not going to be Tomash Hurdle anymore, who, I, who I've who i been touting for a while, who apparently gets to name only three teams. I'll go to these three teams. He's got a three-team no-trade list. So it's not going to be Tomash Hurdle. But uh, Jonathan Marshall shows a good fit. And your other point, um, yeah, you have all these assets now. Part of the reason that you acquired them was to use them. They're not all going to play on your team. They're not all going to pan out. You've got assets now that you can move in a trade
0: not just hang on to every one of them and expect
1: them to all be superstars.
0: Yeah, you want some help in, you know, in the here and now. At yeah. some point, you'll decide, okay, we have a shot. It might not be today, but at some point, you'll decide we have a shot, and we want a guy who's going to be great for us now. This asset over here, though, it's a great asset too, but it's not going to be helpful to us for five years. Let that be some rebuilding team's game plan. Um, so we'll see how it all goes down. Uh, We got to call it a day here. Sens next action will be in Edmonton. It's kind of been interesting to see the two teams, how their fortunes have completely flip-flopped since the start of December. The Oilers were awesome. The Sens were terrible around December 1st. If you look at the trajectory of both of those teams around December 1st, total night and day, and it's been night and day since. The Oilers have been like 2-11 since the start of December, whereas the Sens have been Man, if, you, if you started the season in early December, the Sens are damn near a playoff team. Um, so it's been interesting to watch those teams the way they've gone. What kind of game are you expecting, by the way, Sens at Edmonton on Saturday night? I expect them to fully carry over
1: from this Calgary
0: game. I expect Matt Murray to be back in net again.
1: I expect the exact same lineup except Stutzla comes in, and I, I assume it'll probably be, be Gambrell who goes out, though my vote would be for Tierney. And I expect the exact same game, from the Senators. The problem is Edmonton doesn't play the way Calgary plays. So look out. It might be a little scary.
0: Again, 10 o'clock is the face-off sends at Edmonton. And before we wrap it up today, you got some sad news this week about your bro. And I, we would be remiss if we didn't make a mention of it here at the end of the show.
1: Yes. My, my, uh, my brother, uh, Paul have uh, passed away sometime um, overnight on Monday. And I, I just, Steve, we've all got guys in our, lives who are our, our buddies who are our sports buddies the guy that you talk to about any and every game that's played the guy you watch any number of those games with and, and my brother was, was that guy I don't, I don't have a lot of friends and, and he was without a doubt my best friend uh, any sporting event of the last 35 plus years I either watched it with him or, or dissected it with him afterwards. And, and on that note alone, I will, I will miss him dearly. And I just wanted people to know, cause there, there certainly there may be listeners out there who aren't aware. And I don't know that people still even post, let alone read obituaries, but I just wanted people to know that uh, my, my brother has passed away and, and uh, I appreciate all the notes that I've gotten from people so far. And uh, there'll be more, more information to come as to what sort of a service we're going to be able to have here.
0: Well, certainly, Greg, as I mentioned yesterday, my condolences on that. I know the the listeners share uh, that sentiment with their condolences as well. That was beautifully said. And, uh, hey, man, take care of yourself, and we shall talk to you again next week. For sure. Thanks, Steve. This was fun today. I I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.